Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek, episode 161. I'm Andrew. And we know the number of the Eperon now? We do because I caught up on five back episodes yesterday. Oh, God. So oh, you guys God. got a whole glut of Therefore I Geek in the last 36 hours. <laughs> okay. And uh, you're only going to get more because... Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, more of us. Take that. Because that's what the world wants and needs. Yeah, deserves. I didn't say it doesn't. I didn't say it doesn't deserve it. We're the world. The world. The, we're the podcast. The world. Yeah, that's an understatement. All right. So oh. what are we talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth bailing on Star Trek Four. Ruby Rose being cast to play Batwoman, and Nichelle Nichols has unfortunately been diagnosed with dementia. But first, we do the Exodus of Chris. Exodus of the Chris's. Chris or Chris. I'm trying to find something cute while we're showing, and I couldn't. I was no. I mean, it's. It's two out of the four Chris's. What are the other? Uh, Pine and Evans. I'm oh, sorry. Um, Pratt and Evans. Excuse me. Right. He's not in Frankie. No, but it, like okay. of, of like the four oh, like big the, Hollywood Chris's. The big Chris. Yes. Yes. We have we have two of the four here, and they the, are now the bailing. Mouth. The Mount Rush of Hollywood. Yeah, actually, no, that, I, you know, I'd probably go see that. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Make, make like a giant, like, plaster one about 20 feet tall. No, I'd go. I'd, I'd, I'd pay a couple bucks to see it. Uh, at any rate, according to The Hollywood Reporter, and our article is actually coming from comicbook.com, uh, Chris Pine is doubtful that he will be returning to Star Trek IV, as is Chris Hemsworth. Uh, for those who remember, Chris Hemsworth had a minor role in the original Star Trek reboot, the first of the Kelvinverse films, where he played Kirk's father. Father. And uh, so basically the pair are leaving really because of uh, money. Right. You know, back when the back in 2009, when these films premiered, this film premiered, neither were particularly big stars. That has since changed uh, between the success of a the Star Trek films for Chris Pine, as well as Wonder Woman and for Chris Hemsworth, the success of the Marvel films. And they feel like they deserve more money. I thought, now, I thought you were going to like the success of the Marvel films. And that's about it. I mean, for Chris Hemsworth, that really is it. He's done a couple other things. He did that like shipwreck movie or whatever, and that was not good. Oh, see that? In the no, Odyssey? no, I didn't oh, see man. it. I I avoided please. it because I avoided it because I saw how bad it was. Oh, please see it. Nothing like actually watch Chris Hemsworth switching between Thor and Thor with a Nantucket accent. Super priced. Yeah. So Super to start with, to start with one, I can't say I really necessarily blame the two, especially for a film that ha has been rumored to be happening. Right. But at least, I at least they have a director, which is kind of interesting. It was going to be the first woman to helm the franchise, a film in the franchise. It was interesting. Um, but outside of that, I really have not heard anything particularly concrete about this film now to no, be fair they have they have had um fairly significant gaps in between these films you know most most of the time you're seeing you know a year a, like two maybe maybe three at the most years in between films and these were four almost five years in between films yeah so that was that was kind of rough on the franchise uh the last one star trek beyond the article really kind of underplays it's how it did by calling it underperforming um the short answer is it was bad. Yeah, especially for that budget. Yeah. But also, too, so I had heard the rumors about Hemsworth being in this new fourth film, and I, all the stories about the fourth film left Gratch Head. One, uh, a quadrilogy seems like a strange way to do it, uh, especially the way they are, you know, I guess weird. I, maybe it's a byproduct Marvel effect that these Star Trek films are very much standalone films, more in the kind of Bond mold than, say, the Marvel mold where they were creating a story leading to something. And I didn't really know, again, based 
based on how well poorly, say, uh, Beyond did, why a fourth one was necessary. And then it was adding Chris Hemsworth. And that, that was that made me really worried. And like, there's nothing against Chris Hemsworth, but uh, spoiler alert, Homeboy died by the first movie. Right. And I, when I heard that he was rumored to be in the fourth film, those rumors started like a year ago. Uh, I was scratched head. Dear God, how are they going to shoehorn him into franchise? Oh, you know exactly how they're going to do but, it. You know, your favorite, your favorite mechanic. Be, yeah, right. Time like, travel, motherfucker. Oh, it's going to be, but even you who, who seems kind of just, you know, <laughs> fine with time travel, I feel like you would be like, okay, this, this stretch you've made. No, I've not been, I've not been thrilled with, with that. Um, the way I look at it, I don't look at it less like the Marvel or like more like Bond. I mean, the other Star Trek films, most of them are fairly standalone. Correct. So, you know, in that regard, I think it, it fits in the, the idea of Star Trek films. In terms of doing a fourth one, I, I really think it is, you know, they were contractually obligated for three films. Um, and kind of with that, I, I really think the studio wants to keep Star Trek movies going because I, th- I think they really like this universe and they're kind of losing their grip on it mm-hmm. with all of the new television shows that are going to be coming out or really streaming shows mm-hmm. you know i mean they, they whether or not i think for the franchise it was a smart idea at least from a control standpoint it was a brilliant idea in that they limited star trek television shows to not be able to start until after the third kelvin universe film which is why mm-hmm. we just got star trek discovery and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and so i think now that they've lost some of that control they're kind of fighting and scraping to hold on to it and you know i think discovery in general has done better than people expected because you know i think early on people were not particularly thrilled with with discovery or even the idea of discovery Mm -hmm. but as people have been like oh yeah discovery this is yeah i like star trek as a television show you know it's kind of like moving away from this kelvin verse that they had right so uh, i really think it's about just kind of internal studio politics and you know who gets their their slice of the star trek pie and right and it's also it's like just where the fan base is going to pull them right like we i think we talked about the last time we had this conference the fan base pulls them in the direction of television uh we're just going to get the v and and you know i'll give abrams this much credit uh he was able to make star trek feel cinematic it was just the 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 jj verse movies really do feel like epic movies they just have that great movie look to them that probably not for the most part star trek films never really have oh so probably not in a way since between star trek the motion picture and wrath of khan yeah really those two really had the presence and i think first contact to a a much lesser extent sure first contact Mm -hmm. to a much lesser extent had it had that look but but certainly yeah you got to go way back to really get that holy shit this is something something i have to see on the big screen kind of the old exactly yeah that's what i'm talking and uh, i'll give abe credit for that but you know I, and I, your point is well taken about how the, from a business point of view, I, I, I see how it makes sense. I, I still maintain that I wish they had not created a new timeline or a new canon because just silly. I would hope that, you know, my hope is that they put the kibosh on the timeline, and I may have talked last time, they put the kibosh on the timeline and just focus on doing television. I don't think we'll be planning much. I, I don't know if, you know, do you really ever find a moment where you're going, you know, we really need another Star Trek? No, in fact, yeah, in fact, I, I mean, well, one, I think we agree that Star Trek just works better as a serialized television show. Uh, sure. But two, you know, frequently when they announce a new Star Trek film, and I say this as a person who has watched every single episode of Star Trek, most of them multiple times, I have seen every film repeatedly, right? This is not I'm like, oh, I kind of like Star Trek. No, like, I fucking love Star Trek. But they start announcing new films, and I just keep going, oh, oh God, I'm, I'm going to go watch it. Oh, right. but I, I, I don't want to. And you're saying this is someone who really loves franchise. The general public is going to go, huh? Right. And, and look, I would love nothing more 
work then to see a Star Trek film on the big screen that works as a big screen Star Trek. I don't know how that's going to look or how that would work. Um, certainly those early, you know, Wrath of Khan, that worked. Some of those, you know, some people really liked uh, First Contact. Certainly the J.J. films looked like it, but I don't live They wound up being more like a fucking Fast Furious movie than a Star Trek movie. I, I don't know what it would look like. I, I'd like to see what a, a movie, a Star Trek movie, re- truly be a cinematic event and be Star Trek same time. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know right. how you make that work. I'd love to see that happen. That's the only thing I can hold out on. And, and that leads the final paragraph of this article that we're, we're basing this on is that they drop the mention of Quentin Tarantino's plans for a sequel as if that that is still a possible and possible reality. Uh, as much as I'd like to see it, because I just stated I'd love, you know, I don't know what, what that would look like, but I'd like to see one try. I'm not my breath film a Tarantino Star Trek happened. Yeah, see, I've never been convinced that Tarantino was at all a good fit for Star Trek. I understand. I, I don't, I, my point is, I don't know point. If Abrams can do it, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to bar, if Abrams allowed to make one, I'm not barring anyone or beyond. I Justin don't remember. Lamb, Lang, right. Wang, but like, bro, if you these guys to make a Star Trek movie, I'm, I'm fine with giving you at least one shot. And I looked up this homeboy's name. This guy, Justin Lin, known for directing Fa- Fast and the Furious. That's six. And Fast. Oh, he was already produced Rest. Fast and Fast. And nine now. Oh, and Tokyo. Oh, I did a bunch. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. So keeping with the, the Star Trek theme, let's, let's go ahead and go talk about Nichelle Nichols. Sad fan. It is. Uh, again, from comicbook.com, this coming through them from TMZ. Um, it's being reported that uh, Nichelle Nichols, who is 85, uh, according to her doctor, is suffering from major impairment of her short-term memory and moderate impairment of understanding abstract concepts, sense of time, place, and immediate recall. Uh, That's bummer, man. Yeah. So th- the doctor does add there is no evidence of apparent or of impairment of long-term memory, comprehension, v- verbal communication, or her ability to reason logically and recognize familiar people. That having been said, um, in addition to this, TMZ also reports that uh, back in May, Nichelle Nichols' son reported that she was uh, suffering de- from dementia and has fallen victim to certain individuals who, quote, unduly exerted themselves into Miss Nichols' life to her detriment. Yep. Uh, so as a result, they have appointed four func- uh, fiduciaries to act uh, on Nichols's behalf, giving her, con- giving them control of her finances and health-related decisions. Uh, you know, unfortunately, this is sounding like a happy ending version, but a, a very similar version to what we are hearing with Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who is in their twilight years, and again, people are inserting themselves into their lives purely for self-benefit and not to the benefit of this this individual. Um, so, in addition to it, it being really unfortunate that you know Nichelle Nichols is, uh, you know, starting down this path you know it's even more so the fact that as her ability to protect and defend herself is diminished that people are are attempting to take advantage of that yep. yeah yeah shame with as life gets longer we're, we're, these are becoming all too familiar stories because now we're living long enough in count diseases of dementia and Alzheimer's. yeah no yeah, i'll be honest it's one of the things that i that like of getting old probably terrifies me most oh yeah um but then if you know with that when that should happen you don't, you don't know what's really happening oh it's, I don't know, it's yeah the part I, the part i would dread is is being because there are there is a point for for I think most people where they are aware enough that they are losing things they they don't know what right and, and they, they and then, they and then well and that but but they don't know and they can't do anything about it right um yeah that just, you know I mean let's be honest I don't really have you know like the rest of my health like I'm not in good shape I don't you know so like I'm, I, you know I don't really have that to lose I'm already in terrible shape um but you hey, know man, you gotta, you, you're never too late I lost six pounds April yeah but that's because you're preparing to get your ass kicked we got put oh did I, I yeah we got back yeah <laughs> um but you know 
know, my, my brain is still pretty sharp most of the time. Most, yeah. Well, there's there's that time from the point I wake up to the point I have my first cup of coffee, which I'm not really a functional. I've actually been look, like looking into whether or not I can actually be held responsible for my actions at those periods of time. Because <laughs> I really don't know what I do, but you right. know, one of these days someone's awesome. gonna get someone's gonna get mouthy, and you know, stuff mailbox. Right, and and like I've got a small mailbox now, so oh, yeah. yeah, it's like the first time in my life I've had an actual like real mailbox sitting in the front of my house. Mailbox, not like a, yeah. a wall of little metal yeah. things. Yeah, not like not like the communal communal things nope Shove, you know, ill-shaped unprepared uh improperly shaped letter yep. did i ever tell you the one time girl left for a while and i forgot to check the mail they stopped sending they stopped delivering it uh no but i have had that happen as well i like, forgot yeah all right so our last topic for today is the casting of ruby rose uh oh this be good batwoman uh, yeah, as batwoman so she's playing the character of batwoman in an arrowverse crossover um rose who is known for uh orange is the new black and uh that's, I mean, that's her big claim to yeah. Orange is the New Black. She's also in John Wick 2, yep. which was, she was, I thought, fine in. It was a small role. And she's current. Uh, she didn't, she didn't speak. She right signed the whole time. Right. That was kind of weird. Also, yeah, it was, it was, that was weird. It's also not on screen version. No. But she's also in The Meg, This Weekend Prize Hit, Giant, Super Giant Shark. Yeah. Okay. I mean, literally, it's a giant shark. Literally, Giant Shark is also a giant. But she's in that. I looked, I like her. I think she's interesting. What What's interesting is that she is going to be Ruby Rose Clay, lesbian superhero Batwoman for this dub. Uh, I guess going to be uh, developed as a series or maybe a pilot movie and then maybe developed into a series. Yeah, and I, I think is... it, it's kind of along the lines of what they do with, with Arrow, or I'm sorry, with um, Flash where they introduce the character in, in Arrow or in one of the other shows and then kind of transitioned into a, a solo series. And GW is tapping one of their kind of regular brain trusts. Um, I guess Caroline Drive, Vampire Diary depending on the script. I've watched a little bit of the Vampire Diary in the originals. I mean, personally I have not watched any of DC uh, television stuff that the CW has been doing. Does CW basically have a monopoly on all of it? Are they splitting their time with anything else? Or is it uh, all on ori CW? Originally, Supergirl was on CBS. Right. And then it made CBS. its way to CW after it didn't do as well on, on CBS. Um, but no, for the most part, they're all they're pretty well all on CW. Um, I, I feel like this is a good fit because, again, having not watched any of these, I have watched by a few of the other CW shows like Shadowhunters and the originals, just kind of by accident. And I feel like Ruby Rose has the look that this, and, and CW has production value to make something like this work. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I really enjoyed, like, Arrow... I'm, I'll admit that I'm behind on all of them. Um, Arrow's pretty good. It really hits its hits a good stride, like between seasons like three and four, and then I kind of started losing it like season five. Um, Flash has been fantastic. Supergirl's very good. Legends of Tomorrow, I really enjoyed. Um, so I mean, explain to me the difference again, but Batwoman and Batgirl. Like who is Rose? Which how and how many Batwomen? Is there more than one? Which one's she playing? No, she's playing the only one. Is is Kate Kane? Okay. So Kate Kane is uh, a uh, kind of similar to um bruce wayne in that she comes from a uh gotham socialite family in fact I, i'd have to think for i think the two of them are actually cousins um i believe her i believe um bruce's mother is um her aunt mm -hmm. um i believe she was martha kane first um and basically um at least in the, in the comics she goes through um she, she's actually one of 
she's actually uh, uh, one of a set of twins and her sister is killed and kind of that that trauma kind of drives her forward um mm-hmm. she joins the military um she's kicked out of it's either west point or annapolis um because she's a lesbian and then just kind of so this character's always been gay kind of like from the origin story how old is the character when does this one show so up? so the character is is a lot older but in terms of like a, the, the really the modern the um current canon. current canon the character really shows up in DC's weekly comic 52 from uh fuck back 2006 2007 somewhere there it's right as you and I got into comics actually is when 52 mm-hmm. was coming to an end um and that's when the character was introduced and then she's had a couple of solo series since then mm-hmm. um really I mean very very kind of interesting character I, I I thought I I've enjoyed um I've enjoyed the book it's kind of not necessarily like main mainstream for comics it's kind of one of those superhero books that kind of hangs out on the sides and what's kind of the uh appeal or shtick of particular character or kind of the because like each each superhero kind of has thing that they cover or they do that either, either they're powered them you know sort of internal conflict or their lack of powers or they fight crime trying to, like what is her is she just basically another batman or she, she have kind of niche she, she tends to be a bit edgier than batman in terms of like like batman has a very strict like kind of code of conduct mm-hmm. that he follows and Batwoman's tends to be a lot tends to be a lot more flexible, mm-hmm. you know. And she's a little bit more, um, a little bit more brutal. Does she encounter the same characters that Batman encounters? Sometimes. Uh, but does she have kind of her own? She has at least. A, she has at least. A, she has at least a, a few of her own recurring villains. Anyone I would know. No. So how do you think this is going to translate to television? Um, pretty well, I think. You know, I think one of the things that DC has done very well with is taking kind of second tier characters, Green Arrow, Supergirl, and turning them into a you know, uh, uh, an episodic television series, right? Like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman really do great with the big cinematic, the films and that kind of stuff. You know, they're, they're, they belong in this, on the big screen. They're bigger than life kind of idea. These are the more kind of down to earth characters um, that aren't quite as, as crazy as you know batman and superman got it i can dig it yeah well, so i, mean, I, I look, think she's I, gonna fit fit really well into the existing group of shows they have now what do you think about rose as far as casting i like good choice uh as far as i can tell it seems like a good choice i don't know her that well um i've only watched two or three episodes of orange is the new black um n- n- nothing wrong with the show it just kind of didn't really it didn't really grab me after the first couple of episodes so i just kind of trailed off um i mean you know she was fine in john wick so i mean i have no issues with her she seems super enthused to do the role which is always a good sign you know I, I always I always enjoy seeing when someone's like super excited to, to, to take on one of these roles you know that way we don't get fucking Natalie Portman again right right you know when you get someone like that I just go oh well fuck you too um so so yeah I'm, I'm I will definitely check this out when it comes out uh, let's see. Is so, that it? that's all I got yeah that's all I've got too I was about to ask you the same thing no I mean I, all I all I got for you is just what I saw over the weekend uh, ah. Black Clans came out the weekend and I will be absolutely honest about it I, and, and give me a moment to kind of depth about it so the movie that it came out this week it was number two at the box office, number two behind the Meg. Uh, and, and basically on Thursday, I was going to go toss if I could sneak into Meg. And then my friend was like, no, let's go see Black Clan. Because he really loved Spike. He, shy, he went to Chirac together to go when Spike did it. That was Spike's last movie. And I'll be honest, the premise of Black more in movie, and it's not that it's a bad premise. I don't think Spike wells to tell this story. And it's a combination of Spike has a bit of an act grind and, and got really emotionally invested in it. And I, I think that kind of prevented him making good movie choices as far as craft is concerned and I just think there's some limitation him as a director that had for a long time that but the basic premise is you have a pull this up on IMDb so I can get the character name and all that kind of good stuff correct uh, I believe it's pronounced black clan I was messing friend on black 
land. Three K's middle. Um, relative unknown uh, by uh, Ron. Uh, the character's name is Ron Stall, played by relative newcomer and unknown uh, John David Wash. Basically, the premise is that Ron is first black cop at the Colorado Spring Police Department, and they hire him on. At first, he's doing kind of nothing jobs. Then they send him in undercover for a kind of just to observe like a, a, a former Black Panther speaking at the local Black Student Union. He observes that um, president of the Black Student Woman got this all messed up trying to find can. Um, they hit it off. He reports back. Nothing to see. Then this really is. Then the movie act starts. And here's the thing: is basically Ron sees an ad for the Ku Klux Klan in the local newspaper, and he calls the joint, and, and he calls them. He puts on his white voice, kind of like uh, um, "Thanks, sorry to bother," and he just dulls on how all the racial groups that he hates, and they say, "Hey, yeah, you could join." But the problem is he's black, so has uh, the other undercover cop played by uh, Kylo Ren. Flip is it's Adam Driver's playing a guy named Flip Zimmerman, and they infiltrate the clan. There's no reason for them to do it other than Ron calls them join, and then they follow a lead because they think the clan is playing something, planning something. And then as the movie progresses, they're trying to we find out they're planning on bombing on, on, on a bombing on the black student. And then there's a subplot Ron Stallworth having phone calm David Duke, uh, played by Topher Grace, kind of clan. Uh, but in the end, there's there's a couple big problems. Is one, it is way too damn long, and Spike has problem not editing down scenes. Been a problem of his for like the last 15 years. Scenes he just doesn't want to let go. Ev really evident, really evident in Chirac. Like the the whole Black Panther. You see the whole speech in full, by full speech. And then the following scene is uh, Ron and Trice, the uh, girl who runs Black Student Union, go to a nightclub and dance, dance to a song. They play the whole song, and, and this continues to happen, and you lose track of what thread of the story is. What's really interesting. This movie's built as a, a film where a black man infiltrates the clan, but infiltrates in this just means he talks to them on the phone. Adam Driver is the guy who's acting like going to meetings and going to the guy's basement, seeing the weapon, being put, you know, uh, loyalty test. Ron isn't. Most of what Ron does in the movie is talk to David Duke on the phone. But Duke has nothing to do with the bomb plot. So those things never, they never are able to connect them. And they don't, so at the end, I'll spoil it here, they don't really stop the bomb plot. Like, the, the bomb plot failed. Clans are a bunch, the clansmen are a bunch of doofuses and they wind up blowing themselves up. They don't know where the bomb was placed and they wind up placing it under a car right next detonate it blow themselves up so i kind of like wonder what the heck point of this whole move because it didn't feel like it delivered on what it built it really long you kind of forgot the plot and you know the real climax of the movie isn't much the explosion but ron finally revealing to david duke over the phone that been black the whole time cussing out and i remember kind of scratching my head at this whole thing going i get this is based on real events but should I, at times i should embellish a little bit if it makes for a slight and there are moments you go okay they, they might have wanted to this up or maybe this to raise date or something but overall and look what the hell do i know 95 98 on rotten tomatoes and 98 95 percent critic people who will see it really love it but both uh michael patriot and i kind of walked out and scratch our heads going this didn't work and it didn't work as a movie it, the story is still it's still a good story there but i just don't know if it worked as right, so you're saying it's got potential it just spike lee kind of missed the mark i think in the, yeah i think in the hands of another director uh it would have been fine in the hands of the director of creed you know it would have been fine anton fuqua would have been fine or Singleton or any any black director wants to tell like you know the story of, of the first black cop in this town would have been fine honestly I think white direct fine and as I think about it any competent direct fine whatever bike is so emotional mess films that might very well cloud cloud the way directorial choice other than that I will say something I will recommend have, are you familiar with the podcast Serial? No. It's a it's a podcast from I think it's associated with This American Life they, they kind of got famous two years ago for telling the story of like a, uh, a Baltimore murder and possibly 
Mexico and if Guy that's put in jail may not have murder. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I know, I know also, what you're talking about now. Yeah, and then you also the Netflix series, uh, I think it's called Making of a Murderer, about a guy who was accused of rape, spent eight years in prison for it, was released because exonerated, and then like three years later put back in jail, murder of another woman. But right. the whole premise series that he didn't do it. So there's a series out there called American Vandal, and it is a spoof documentary in that vein, and it's basically about 27 teachers' cars at a Oceanside, California high school were vandalized with spray painted dicks on them. And the school blames one kid who's like a serial dick drawer in class, but dicks are different than his, so maybe he didn't do it. It's like an eight-part episode about who drew the dick on this car. Is this like a follow-up to freaking Superbad? Kind of, but it's done so dead serious. It's it's just funny how serious it takes up. That right down to like production value. Really, really clever. And it's hard for me to do just to it, so just go on YouTube and watch trailer. We we watched it in one sitting because it was just so ridiculous, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, how serious self. Yeah, I was serious self. It's on Netflix called American Vandal. Interesting. Super worth it. Anything else you've been into? So, Friday night, might have been Saturday. I, I was, I was technical all day trying to find something to do and wound up, you know, girl was working overtime, Rook was working theater, had family in, Chris was busy, and no one was around. So, hours upon hours, hours upon hours. <laughs> But then Baruch sends me a text of, I may have talked about this game back when I did, when we talked about Kingdom Con, a game called Dust, kind of a alternate history World War II, Warhammer-esque squad level skirmish game that I felt had a lot of potential, but can't get in. So local, one of the local game stores had six starter sets for 50% off. Nice. So I just bought, so I was like, all right, look, this, look did, I'm just, did I you buy all six? Anywhere. I'm not paying full price. Bought all six. <laughs> nice. 50% off. That's a deal. I mean, if you back, look back in the day when I were playing Warhammer, would pass up a 50% off deal on Warhammer? Probably not. No. Yeah. So this was like, let me give this a try. And what I, I, I think what I love about it is that it, it's a tabletop game, but it uses um, square grid on a, on a mat lay down. And I, I like that concept. And uh, I've, been, I've been playing around with the rules. The rule book is only like 30 pages and maybe, I don't know, two thirds of that are actual rules. The rest of it is kind of fluff and maybe a little more than third, maybe 75% are actually rules. And it's very simple, super straightforward. Um, Do you remember the the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars, uh, co like the space combat game that used the square? Yes, I did. That was a terrible game. I do. Remember. It had such nice little models. Though. The models are great. Yeah. Um, now that's been all slanted by uh, Fantasy Flight Armada. Fantasy Flight's Armada. But I, I like. I've been playing around. The models are beautiful. Also, like models were they came paint, so which is nice. Um, they were the premium box set. I've been playing around with it the last couple of days. The rules super simple, which is why I, I kind of like because we were talking about this the other day. Where freaking Warhammer Forty, how thick was those Warhammer Forty? 40k books got they huge and that's like and i saved my old ones i don't know if you saved your old ones like compare what you and i bought in the late 90s to what they look like now it's right. insane the amount of crap they shove in there so simplifying is better i think my right now the only downside is um they may have op'd the firepower because like one round two base kills everybody well damn so that might be one one tweak might want to do is cut down on that firepower or you need a lot of cover like a lot of <laughs> like a lot of cover like everyone dies pretty darn other than that i, I that's been me oh uh, let's see here um yeah so so you mentioned to us uh, on the last podcast uh youtube channel called defunct land uh so oh, becky, yes. becky and i have been binge watching that that's been fun we are she and i are now officially um pretty pretty well into season seven of next generation Woo! 
Um, or, or, or kind of at a, at a lull for a couple of episodes, like not great ones. Mm-hmm. But then I think in a couple of episodes we get lower decks, which is a good one. Um, and then you start getting into some more, uh, some more real good ones. Like we just finished the Pegasus, mm-hmm. which is a you know excellent episode. And there's a couple down episodes, and then it's kind of the the ramp up to the end of the series from there. I think. I remember enjoying the ramp up more than anything else. Which is really good. So, yeah. Um, let's see. We also. Although um, I will say, I feel like six probably my favorite. Five or six. I think. See, six and seven, just the production value gets so much better. It's true. The production value is very. Especially for season seven, it's really uh, spectacular. Um, uh, what else was there? Uh, we started playing uh, Lego Lego Incredibles. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's like any Lego move or any Lego game, so it's a lot of fun. But there's a few things like they really get the the spirit of Incredibles too. Like that was a really oh, that was a really fun movie, and this has been a really fun game. It's probably like my number three Lego Lego game. Uh, like Lego Batman, the original Lego Batman is number one, and then Lego the original Star Wars, Lego the complete Star Wars trilogy is number two. Mm. So yeah, we've had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and then like I mentioned before, I'm just trying to catch up on podcasting. <laughs> so so much. Um, was it the the other day or yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, Malcolm just like it's like oh yeah, I'm gonna go do some stuff, and then like 30 seconds later, Malcolm just straight up face plants and like bit his cheek or something. So he's like. He's got blood coming out of his mouth, and it's like, oh, okay, all right, we're going to be a little bit here. This, this, <laughs> this is going to take a few minutes. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's fun. Cool. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com. You can check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Jude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.